0: Well, this morning it's my honor to welcome Denny Barger, friend of Lighty's Church, up. Denny, come. Welcome. Good morning again. Josh, you got a great voice. You ought to think about being a preacher. I hear they're looking for one around here. Um, before I get into the message, i want to start with a commercial. Uh, Sue and I are, have a little mission organization called Dreams Alive, the Arab-American Alliance for Relief and Development. It's a very long name for a very small organization. But uh, we are looking for people in the medical professions that would like to do a short-term missions trip. Uh, there are actually two of them coming up, one to the Dominican Republic. I will not be on that one. But the other one will be in the Middle East and they always take me along when they go to the Middle East with the uh, the, uh, medical missions because I know all the best restaurants. And we eat and we rejoice. So if you have a background in the medical fields, uh, please speak to me. Maybe the Lord will use you in the Middle East. Um, For those of you that don't know us, Sue and I live on a very small farm in New Jersey down by the shore. I came in this morning and saw a few empty seats, and now I realize why so many people were driving toward the shore while we were coming up yesterday. Uh, a lot of folks down there right now. But uh, we had this small farm, and last week we had to uh, take three rams. We have some sheep, and we took three rams to the market. And I guess that's what got me thinking about this text, You know, the fact that I've been thinking about sheep. And I don't know if you've ever wrestled a, a ram before, but it, it's a young man's work, that's for sure. I, my, my shoulders are still hurting. My wrist hurts. I had to wrestle these boogers, you know, get them down on the ground, you know. And and then I got one on the truck, but after that, I was just huffing and puffing, and my daughter had to help me. And you know, I've come to that age where it's embarrassing to uh, have to ask for help, and but I did. And, uh, you know, getting older is weird, isn't it? Um, a couple of weeks ago, Sue and I became great grandparents. Great grandparents. I, I knew I was a good one, but, but now I'm a great one. But that sounds so ancient. And, you know, the older I get, the more I'm, I'm thinking about the hereafter, I got to tell you. Just the other day, I walked in the kitchen, I stood there, and I thought, now, what am I here after? <laughs> that was lame. So, um, with an introduction like that, I think we need some prayer before we continue. <laughs> Lord, Father God, we thank you for being our God. We, we're here, Lord, as you know, for many reasons. Uh, certainly, we want to worship you with, as your word says, with clean hands and a pure heart. But the reality is, Lord, this week, some of us have gotten a little tainted uh, just things in the news that bother us, Lord. Our own personalities get in the way, and then there's that ever persistent adversary that we have. So, Father God, we, we just confess all that to you and be mindful of your grace. Sit before you, Lord. Help us to be mindful of your grace and draw closer to you, Lord, that we may be more like Jesus. And as we open your word, I just pray, I really beg you, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, that we would come to a better understanding of just who you are and how much you love us, how much you care for us. Lord, that was a long list our brother read of people that are sick and hurting just in this one congregation. Again, I would uh, affirm those prayers. Lord, ask you to bless people. Life is challenging at times. But you are always up for the challenge. Thank you for loving us and caring for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, If you have your Bible, uh, please open it to Luke 15. We're going to walk through a couple of these uh, parables today. And I'd like you to consider God's love for lost souls. God's love for lost souls. Uh, You know, this is June and here in America a lot of weird things are going on uh, in our society and I I look at that and sometimes I get irritated. Sometimes I get angry about it and then I have to remember that there was a time when I irritated people and got people angry. I think it was about an hour ago actually. (laughs) Um, But you know, the fact is we were lost And the Lord came and found us and took care of us and changed us. And and hopefully he's still working on us. I believe he is. But, um, you know, God cares for these people. He really does. I'm not talking about accepting and affirming. You know, in this church I learned many, many years ago, hate the sin and love the sinner. That was drummed into us, and I'm glad it was because it's easy to hate sinners, but we're not called to hate anybody, are we? Uh, God certainly isn't. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, gave his life, bled for us, that our sins would be paid for. That's love, isn't it? And he had you in mind when he did it, I've, I believe that. But sadly, most of the people in the world don't understand his love. They tend to go uh, in the op- an opposite direction. Uh, I was reading the other day uh, uh, research by the Pew Research Center. They estimate that 69% of the 8 billion people on planet Earth do not know Jesus. Uh, if you're good at math, that's, that's a, you'll know that's about five and a half billion people don't know the Lord. You think we got a little work cut out for us? Think we got some loving to do? Uh, we certainly do. Uh, and I'd venture to say that most of those people have never met a real authentic Christian. You know, I, I was grateful, again, just a minute used. I heard uh, the phrase "inerrant" used." i learned that here. The word try tried out is "inerrant." Of course, they sent me off the seminary, and they tried to tell me anything but. <laughs> There's a reason they call those places cemeteries. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of young men die in those places. But here we know that this is the inerrant word of God. This is the book that gives us life because it's the God, the author of this book, who's pouring himself through it to reveal himself to us. So we know the difference between right and wrong. We know how we're to live. And and, and on top of all that, he gives us his Holy Spirit to help us do just that. So God is good. Uh, but so many people have never met a real Christian or gone to a church. Uh, Sue and I ministered in Bahrain for about seven years, and I was in the bank one time, and there was this young gal there, and she was all covered up, nice young lady, and uh, she was going through my papers. We had to do some business there, and uh, in the Middle East, they don't have a word for pastor. They, They use the word priest. So she was very surprised going through my papers and found out I was a priest. And she said, I've never met a priest before ever in my life. I said, you're kidding me. A mature young woman like you, you you've never, have you never been to a church? Oh, no, she said, we can't go to the church. The imam says they drink alcohol in there and dance. I said, well, they don't do that at the church, I'm the pastor, why don't you come on over? Well, she never did. Um, But that imam was listening to uh, fake news, misinformation. And he sounds a lot like the Pharisees in our reading this morning. The Pharisees, look at what it says in verse one and two. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him, to Jesus, to listen to him both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. You know, they had a lot of rules and regulations to draw them to God, kept people away from God rather than draw them to God. You know, did you go to God because you were just, wanted to do a lot of rules and regulations? You know, did you want to Give up all that you do and all that you're about, because if you didn't, he was going to whack you. That was the theology I was brought up with as a young man. My mom's family was Catholic, and boy, the stuff they said—God was always going to get you. You know, God will get you for that. You know, and uh, you know, one time my cousin Joey, uh, we were running around Granny's house, and he, had, there was a stroller. I don't know, you got you to be my age, I think, to understand that strollers back then were made like Sherman tanks. Anybody remember them? They were metal and they were big, and, and I got behind one, be- you know, between the stroller and the wall. And Joey slammed that thing in the. Did that? <laughs> Bleeding. My aunt Shirley looked at me and said, "God did that. <laughs> God's getting you for being naughty." I said, "Cousin Joey pushed that thing into my head." Well, then God's getting you for the next thing you're going to do bad. Uh, that's a weird theology. And, and I see that in the Pharisees. They, they had this idea that God's just out to hurt you. Do you know that God's out to love you? He really is. He loves us so much. So Jesus hears this, and he could have given them a direct answer, but instead he told them three stories. Now time only allows us to do two of those stories, so we're going to take a look at it. The first story he tells them is a tale about a shepherd who lost the sheep. Look with me to verse 3. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Odd. i got to tell you right there, you should be glad I'm not God. It's, you know, your average sheep weighs about 150 pounds, and picking up one of those boogers is really hard to do. If I was a shepherd, I'd say, listen, bucko, the rest of the herds over here, the flock, just find your way home. You know, I couldn't pick that thing up, but he picked it up, and look what it says. He was rejoicing. I'd have been huffing and puffing, but he was rejoicing. It goes on and says, When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Isn't that a wonderful thing? This guy was stoked, too. He found that sheep. You know... Shepherds get friendly with the sheep. They like them. They, they, you know, there's a relationship, if you will, between them. One feeds, you know, and cares for them. They they give them names. Uh, we we used to name the animals on our farm. Uh, we had two pigs. We named, the kids named one Bubblegum. I forget what the name of the other one. And uh, one day, we were having some breakfast, and they said, "Is this Bubblegum?" There's never been a pet named on our farm ever since. But the Lord goes after. He he pursues here. You know, it said he, he, he kept looking until he found it. It didn't matter how much time it took. He was looking. And if you were a lost soul, you'll understand just how much that means. The God of heaven that created the whole universe took time to look for you and find you. He searched for you. I find that it's interesting. You know, when I go somewhere and preach, I'm, I'm always listening to the prayers and the songs before I go to see if maybe something that's in my heart is there in the worship and in the reading. And this morning, the pianist opened up with this 23rd Psalm. Well, that's in my notes, and I don't know her. We never spoke. But that tells me the Holy Spirit's here. So please go to Psalm 23 with me in your Bibles. Some of you have this memorized. You're not as old as me. (laughs) Psalm 23. Just to let you know how much you're blessed. How that shepherd came looking for you. Look at Psalm 23 with me. Verse 1. The earth, excuse me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Do you understand that God cares for you? Now, the the psalmist said, I shall not want. uh, But I I don't know that, that the Lord ever gave me all my wants because some of my wants just weren't things I should have had in the first place. But I can honestly say this. I've never missed a meal ever since I walked with the Lord unless I was fasting or, you know, something like that the Lord has always met our needs. Amen? That's the God. That's your shepherd. He, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. Verse number two. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet or still waters. When I read that, I think of peace. Of peace of mind. You know how many people are out there just going crazy? They don't have peace of mind. But you and I can have that. It's something everybody wants. And it's interesting, when you get into Paul's letters, he often greets people by saying the grace of God, you know, the grace and peace of God to you. Notice, grace is always first. Point being, you will never have true peace of mind unless you have the grace of God. And God wants to bless you and give you that, and he does. He gives you the grace, he gives you peace. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, Verse three, he restores my soul. In other words, he gives us sanity. I don't know about you, but I was totally insane before I came to the Lord. And the amazing thing is when you're a Christian, you know, like as a pastor, I watch new people, new believers, and I can see change coming over them. And the more the word of God gets into you, the more you become like God. And it's an amazing thing. There was a gal here years ago when Sue and I got saved, and you know the story. We were saved through this fellowship, discipled through my pastor, and, and, and it was a wonderful time. Well, there was a girl named Linda. You guys remember Linda Fusco? She went on to be a missionary. Well, she said to me one day, I, I got talking, I said, when did you become a Christian, Linda? She said, well, uh, you ought to know. I, I said, well, who shared the gospel with you? She said, you did. I said, Linda. I never uttered a word to you about becoming a Christian. She said, you didn't have to say a thing. I knew you before and I knew you after. And I thought there must be a God. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? God gives us sanity. Verse three says, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I think you took a path today, a path of righteousness led you to this church. The path of righteousness leads you to worship. It leads you, lead you to study God's word, the path. And it also leads you on a path of caring for others. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian, to be blessed by God. Verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That word comfort means with fortitude it's fortitude it's strengthening and you know the world is tough out there and there's things you go through and people you talk with and you know life comes on you and things get hard but God says hey look I am with you always even to the end of the age even to the end of your rope stay with me enjoy my comfort and my strength now you know we all go through the normal trials of life don't we I don't know about you but I have bills to pay I've got health issues you know we even get flat tires now and again but God is always with us gives us the strength and I love it so much that he says fear not you know we, He t- he replaces the fear that life would give us with faith that's a gift of the Holy Spirit to have faith and live this life verse 5 it says You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. There's a lot of things in the Bible about being anointed with oil. But let me just share that in the Middle East when we live there, there's a custom that they have that when you enter someone's house, they have oils and, and sprays and stuff and, and they'll put this wonderful fragrance on you to refresh you because you've just come in out of the hot sun, out of the desert. Now we're going to give you a, a refreshing mist, you know. And and I think of that when, you know, he says, You've anointed my head with oil. God wants to refresh us. That's one reason why we're here today. To be refreshed, to be renewed, to be able to go out there. You know, walking and leaping and praising God to be filled with his love and his kindness. And he says something to that fact in the next verse. He says, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When I first learned about that particular verse, I was told that, you know, that that the Lord will chase you with with. Goodness and loving kindness. And I I believe that is true. But there's something else about that. What follows us, in a way, is the things we left behind. Where you go, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with God's love, filled with God's joy, you, in fact, leave behind goodness and loving kindness. They know you were there. There's a scent of God about you. And you left that to them. That's why I always say to people, be blessed and be a blessing. And you know, we're more blessed as we bless others. I don't know how that works, but you can never run out of God's blessing by sharing it with others. Pastor, I know, once said, I want to live under the spout where the blessings come out. Isn't that where you want to be? I wanted just to look at that psalm just to remind We are so blessed. One of the blessings in that psalm, one of the greatest blessings, I think, is the peace that we talked about before. You know, unlike anybody else that I know, we Christians at night, no matter how the day went, we can lay our head on that pillow, say a little prayer, and go to sleep. And sleep through the night. Unless you have bladder issues. (laughs) But by and large, They're not emotional issues because we've placed our life into the hands of a loving Father God who cares so deeply for you and I. We have rest for our soul. Isaiah said this of God. He said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Do you trust him today? Well, you ought to because he's good and he's got your interest in his heart. However, there's a conundrum. Let's go back to Luke 15. There's a conundrum in this little story. What's up with that sheep? Why did he leave this good shepherd, this shepherd that loved them so much? He wandered off. And it's funny, you know, when you get around sheep, and some of you may have been around them, and you watch their behaviors and activities, you know, a sheep doesn't just get up and say, well, it's Thursday, I think I'll go downtown, you know. Uh, No, what a sheep does, it puts its head down, be it male or female, puts its head down and starts eating grass. And it sees a little grass over there and goes over there and eats a little of this, and then it eats a little of that, and a little of this, and a little of that. And then after its belly's full, it might look up and say, oh my goodness, where am I? You ever do anything like that? I was uh, snorkeling with my son in the, the Red Sea one time. We went out somewhere in a boat, and we all got swimming. And I was looking at this and looking at that and swimming. All of a sudden, I came up for air, and I thought, oh, my goodness. And that boat had to be at least a half a mile away. And I thought, I'm in trouble now, man. There's sharks in this water. I'm fortunate to know how to swim, and I I swam fast that day. But, you know, we're kind of like that. We're like the sheep. There's stuff out there in the world. We see it. You know, you people have TVs. You see what other people have, and you start to nibble a little of this and a little of that, and there's a little distraction you chew on here and a a little bit of distraction over there, and all of a sudden you look up and you think, boy, I've kind of gotten away from the Lord, haven't I? I've wandered. It happens very innocently, very innocently. There's a hymn that we sometimes sing called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. You may know it. There's a very sobering line in the the sixth line, the sixth verse. This line, it says this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love i got to tell you, I've cried a few times when we sang that. I could cry now just thinking, what in the world is wrong with you to wander away from the Lord? What is wrong with you? And I think if you admitted it, you'd say there were times when you wandered too. But by the grace of God, you wandered back in here, didn't you? God loves us so much, but we're restless Augustine said this about God, he said, you made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. Remember John Newton, he wrote that song, Amazing Grace? As he was getting older, he said, there's two things I remember. And if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. These were the two things. John Newton said he remembers that I am a great sinner and God is a great Savior. I am a great sinner, but God is a great Savior. There's hope for all of us yet. Now, one parable just wasn't sufficient for Jesus' purposes, so he went straight into another parable, a very short one, about a woman who spends all of her energy to find one lost coin. Let's look at it again in verse 8. Or what woman... If she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors. Now you'd think she'd have held her cards close to her chest. Why would you tell your neighbors that you got money? You must have nicer neighbors than me. I I wouldn't tell them anything I had, you know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. She found it. She calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents." Now, unlike the sheep, unlike wandering people, the coin is inanimate. It has no voice. It doesn't call out, hey, I need help. Come on over and find me. it's it's been lost by someone else. And this parable actually has two representations, and the first is the, the religious leaders, and Jesus is telling them that they have carelessly lost one of God's valued people. He's talking to the Pharisees. You see, Pharisees, and sometimes Christians, can misrepresent God Just like my Aunt Shirley did, you know, God's going to get you. We can misrepresent God with legalistic rules. They insisted on people having Jesus, you know, do this, do that. You know, even the Messianic Jews, the ones that became Christians, you know, they'd follow Paul wherever he went. And he said, okay, yeah, you got Jesus, but you need Jesus and this, Jesus and that. Whenever you wander into a church or turn on the TV and you hear somebody teaching Jesus and... Turn off the TV and run out of the building. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. You cannot add to that. You understand? I was hoping I'd get an amen there. Are you with me? Jesus did it all. He did it all. And that's the point, one of the points of this uh, parable here. You can lose people by imposing legalistic standards on them. Stuff, you know, like what do they wear and all that kind of stuff. Uh, There was a famous German philosopher who happened to be an atheist. His name was Friedrich Nietzsche. He coined the phrase, God is dead. You may have heard that. He was so repulsed by his encounters with legalistic Christians that he said, I'm going to need to see a lot more of them redeemed before I believe in their redeemer. We got to go out with the Lord, man. You don't have to be preaching like Billy Graham or stand on a street corner, but go out and love them. Let them see that you've been redeemed by the very way way you carry yourself. Uh, Of course, the other side of that is we can also lose people by licentiousness. And I'm sad to say I'm seeing that in churches today. They're accepting things that God has said in his inerrant word are sinful things. There are things that should repulse us, and we should not do them. But people are saying, oh, well, you know, it's all about God's grace, and I said the prayer, and therefore I can do whatever I feel like. Uh, it's not quite like that. It's, um, that puts people off. I was once speaking with a Muslim man, and he uh, was arguing for Islam, you know, being better in Christianity, and he said, we take responsibility in our religion. You Christians, you just slap your sin to the cross up there and leave it there and then go and do whatever you feel like. Is that what Christianity looks like? It shouldn't, but that's what it looked like to him. Uh, One of the sad things and challenging things to missionaries is that uh, people around the world, they they see American television and American movies. You know where I'm going with that, don't you? (laughs) Well, they think we're all like what they see in the movies, and they think that's what Christians are. And it's kind of a tough one to get over it and convince them that we're not like that. Uh, anyway, legalism, licentiousness, they're both signs of a wayward heart. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Lord, forgive us for our wandering hearts. Well, I think this should be the seventh inning stretch where we get some really good news. You ready for some good news? Okay. While the woman in the parable represented careless Pharisees, she also represents God who carefully searches for the lost. You know, God's never put off by our wandering. He might be a, perhaps a bit sad because we've wandered, but he's not put off by that. He understands that we're but dust. We're human. We have questions. We, we look but he never, never rejects us. He's a God that searches for us. In that first parable, we found out he's lighting a lamp us. This woman, it said of her, she's lighting a lamp. She's sweeping the house. She's probably down on her hands and knees looking under the sofa. Some of you know what I'm talking about when you lose the remote, right? We go crazy till we find it, you know? Well, that's what she's doing. God doesn't reject us, he searches for us. There's another stanza in that hymn I was telling you about. It said, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Do you feel the love in that? He loves you. Now this woman lost one-tenth of her savings. That's probably a lot. But there seems to be more to this story than uh, the cash value of the coin. There's something more to it. And and this is where it's good when you read these parables to study the cultural background, the historic background, what it meant when Jesus was giving it before we bring it into our day and age. Now back then, when a woman, got a dowry in order to get married. It might be on her head or a veil. Sometimes it'd be long or it might be on her head. And they would sew coins into those veils. I, I should have brought a picture of this. I apologize for it, but look it up. They would wear their money on their face, in other words. Okay, here's my dowry. Look how much my man loves me. <laughs> when we were in Egypt, the, I had these, these girls in the school we, we had started. Can you, took, took me aside one day. They said, uh, Brother Dennis, why you no love Sister Susie? I said, what are you talking about? I love my wife with all my heart. Yes, well, where is her gold? I went home, I said, you know what those silly kids said to me today? They wanted to know why I didn't love you because you didn't have any gold. She said, yeah, why don't you love me? <laughs> so I went out and got her a gold necklace. I came home, she said, that's really lovely. How much more do you love me? I need earrings to match. (laughs) This doesn't just represent monetary value here. This represents her relationship with God. It's almost like she lost her wedding ring. And if you've lost the ring, your wedding ring, you know you'll search hard for that. The Bible tells us when we become Christians, we actually become the bride of Christ. We enter into a sacred and eternal union with God. A union that he, at least, is faithful to keep every moment of every day. So here's something to think about as we wrap this up. The lost coin is completely inanimate, and yet the coin, when found, embodies repentance. Like I said, the lost sheep, the lost person would cry out, not so the coin, it's silent. So what does that tell us? It tells us the total responsibility of finding the coin rests on the actions of the woman, and in this parable, she represents God. So through these parables, Jesus is actually redefining salvation as as to this, to consent or agree to be found. See, the truth is none of us were ever looking for him. He was always looking for us. Think again about that song, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was lost, I didn't come searching for my way back home. No, I was found. I don't know about you, I think God's had to set up a search and rescue operation for me, you know, he, he pulled out all the stops, but he found me. I was blind and now I see. Blind person didn't make themselves see, only God can do that. Only God can open eyes. I think salvation is this way. I once was lost, but now I agree to be found. I'm ready. I once was blind, but now I agree to see. What that's getting to is the fact that even repentance itself is an act of God's grace of him seeking us out. Somebody once said to me, boy, I bet you had to give up a lot to become a Christian. I said, oh, yeah, I gave up a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of bad behavior, and I'm happier than a pig in mud. What are you talking about? God is good. God is really good. You might argue with me about that. You might say, well, yeah, well, repentance is my responsibility. I think we need to refine that word, too. Responsibility, in my theology, is our response to God's ability. God has the ability. God is the one who comes for you, searching, tearing tearing up the living room, looking for you. He wants you. So, like the parable of the lost sheep, this parable also ends with rejoicing. And I just love it. She wants to throw a party. I found my coin. I found it. You wonder why there's so much rejoicing over that one coin? If you had a coin in your pocket and took it out, you'd see most likely there's an image of some person on that coin. Is that correct? There's always some president or some dictator or other despot that gets his face on the coins. But in our case, we're stamped with the image of God. He's got his image on us. Doesn't the Bible tell you that? I think it's Genesis 1, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. God loves you so much. I want you to go home remembering that. And let it fill you up. I learned a lot of theology when I was in Sunday school. We used to sing this song. You probably sang it too. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. We should sing that. <laughs> It'll be fun. When I look at things, and as I said, I'm getting older, and you start to look at things differently, I realize the only valuable thing I have are the people in my life. People are the only thing of value. There's nothing you own that's gone to heaven with you. But maybe the people that you love will be there as well. And I get a feeling that's the way God looks at us. He might bless us. He might give us some stuff along the way, make us happy. But what he really wants is us because we are the true value in God's eyes. People are valuable to God. So he loves you, no matter whether you wander or not. And, and I think maybe some of you are here today and maybe God's been searching for you and that's how you ended up here. In our family, we tell a story about the church across the street. How We were standing there singing one day. We were singing a hymn, and uh, there was a woman wandered into the church. She was kind of on her last leg, you might say. She was pretty sad and tore up. And she was in the back crying. And my wife leaned over and said, there's a woman back in the church crying. I said, I'm singing. Leave me alone. (laughs) I told you I'm a sinner. Don't interrupt me. I'm singing to God here. I'm doing the God thing. What are you talking to me? She said, I feel like I should go back. And I, thought, I said, Well, go ahead. Then I'll be able to worship God and be a real Christian here, you know? And, but she went back and she stood near her and they had a conversation that day. And uh, the woman gave her heart to the Lord. She wandered into the church. Maybe you wandered in here today. Maybe today's the day you need to say to the Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to be found. Are you? Are you ready to receive his grace, to receive his forgiveness? Are you ready to receive the abundant life that he promises? I've got to tell you, I had no idea when I became a Christian the wonderful adventures that lay before me. God is good. Let's stand and pray, shall we? If you have been feeling lost or empty or spiritually dry and blind, I encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me. Lord, I admit that I have wandered, wandered away from the life you gave me to live. I've been distracted by the things of this world and by my own foolish desires. All that I have pursued has eventually led to more emptiness Lord, I'm ready to be found by you. I've been lost, but now I agree to be found. I've been blind, but now I agree to see. I'm ready to accept your love, your forgiveness, and your plan for my life. Come into my heart and rejoice once again. You and the angels to rejoice once again. Amen. If you've sincerely prayed that prayer... God will indeed help you to see, help you to live. He's so good to us. Thank you for listening.